With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. And as Wade always likes to mention, the intro with the four friends, but it's only two chefs once again in the kitchen, but we still got a full menu of sports on the table. So with Wade and Tyler, Wade, how are you? How was your weekend? It was great. Um, I didn't do a ton in the world of sports. I just kind of kicked back, watched the Braves a little bit. Um, Big event this weekend was the LSU law school graduation. Uh, We went to support our friend Michaela, so congratulations to her and all the graduates. And uh, it was always always a good time to be back on LSU's campus, a uh, place that you know we came to love over the years. But uh, didn't get any golf in and uh, have started to work out a little bit more, so that's always good. But how about yourself? Yeah, been working out uh, as well, trying to go uh, three days a week, keep the irons pumping, and also keep the golf strong as well still more the backyard practice i've been focusing more on my wedge play around the greens because that was a little iffy the last time that we four gentlemen went out uh, to the golf course uh, but i did have some news uh, pop up i know that you definitely kept up with this uh, the chateau golf and country club uh, had a little bit of a fire and a lot of golf carts as well tell us a little bit more about what happened yeah that that was absolutely insane i mean you and I and um, Elise were playing video games and all of a sudden she shrieks and says, oh my gosh. And, you know, that's usually not a a good sign. Um, And it sure wasn't because we found out that our wedding venue had a a huge fire. And if if y'all recall, uh, we got married at the Chateau Golf and Country Club, one of the premier golf venues in New Orleans has to offer. So certainly uh, sent a shockwave through the community to hear that that kind of venue was on fire. Luckily, it was just a golf cart shed. Um, the venue itself was was okay, and the golf course is in really good shape. But I had just saw the Chateau Golf um, Club on Instagram because the Saints had had their annual fundraising tournament um, at Chateau. So I thought it was really cool that those guys were playing the course that you and I were on not too long ago, but uh, for it events to turn into a fire like that. I mean, it was just um, pretty, pretty crazy and surreal that people were literally having their wedding going on during that. But luckily it seems like the fire was contained and that everybody's safe. So that's what counts. Yeah. We're hoping uh, that it's a, it's a safe and rebuilding uh, process. So when I saw it, uh, not really saw it up and close and personal. I saw a lot of stories on Snapchat and it was definitely a, fire it was not you know it's some small beauty fire like oh we overcooked a steak it was no it was just a lot of golf carts uh, exploding and even got to one of the cars i saw i think it was like a range rover it's not uh-huh. a range rover anymore just some wheels and some four wheels to it as, uh, as well uh, but our thoughts and prayers go to that community uh, surrounding that as well and to all the graduates as well it's graduation season so congratulations on getting your respective degrees, whether that's a master's, bachelor's, or a high school degree, whatever it is, congratulations, your hard work has finally paid off. So now we'll transition into the golfing world. We had a big event in the PGA Tour, and that was the PGA Championship at Oak Hill. And it was a very tough course. There was not many golfers that was under par this week, and a lot of guys struggled, especially in the early rounds. And the only thing that struggled was our picks and our parlay. 
we were like, oh yeah, this is finally going to a little parlay here it's plus 1500 odds cash out of 900 it sounds so great and you go to thursday you're like all right it's gonna be starting up our picks are gonna start out on fire and nope not any one of them even makes the cut uh sam burns uh, is plus 13 he misses the cut tyrell hatton he's on the line and he makes the cut barely and then he finishes on uh over par xander shoffley finish over par on the round as well. So all of our picks finish over par. So it was definitely not the picks for me. And I feel like I'm just going to stop and say, don't even bet with us anymore. Fade us. <laughs> if you want to make money, fade us. Because, uh, But don't fade Chet's pick because Chet's pick ended up winning Brooks Kepka. Uh, he was really high on him. He had a good finish at the Masters. He was on top of the leaderboard uh, going into Sunday and then ultimately failed to do that. But this time he stays put on top of the leaderboard from Thursday on. He was a dominant factor. Uh, so we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the show here that Liv is going to compete with the PGA Tour. But I think that they're here to stay. I think not only can they compete, but they've shown now that they can win. What are your thoughts on the Liv players uh, going forward, especially Brooks Kepka? Yeah, I mean, these these guys aren't coming out of nowhere. They're guys that were proven in these tournaments for years. And I think the thing that stood out to me is the leagues have been able to operate pretty much independently. Like I feel like the quality of golf that we're seeing on the PGA tour is still really good with the guys that are on there. And then I think the live events, I haven't watched them as much, but uh, they seem to be competitive and uh, you know, you do have some big names on there that consistently win, but you also do have some guys that are coming up on the live tour. It's not all super proven guys. So I think it's just two styles of play. I mean, I kind of look at it like professional soccer or something along those lines where, you know, you you have a few epicenters of the sport. It's not just one giant league. It's not like the, N- the NFL or the NBA. Like, there's some talent in uh, the Premier League and then, you know, Bundesliga and, and, and Italy and Spain. So um, I think that's kind of the model you're going to see for golf. And and it makes sense because golf is a very global game, has a big European influence. Uh, so maybe it'll allow those guys to play internationally more so than not. And then uh, still have some big American tournaments too. Yeah, I definitely think it's a great story uh, for Brooks Kepka. I watch uh, Full Swing, the documentary on it. If you haven't watched it, definitely go check it out already. I'm sure that a lot of people out there have already watched it. Uh, but Brooks Kepka's a story uh he was he was really dominant in the first couple of years uh, on the pga tour and then he faced with some adversity a lot of injuries uh, that he had in those past couple of years and didn't really look the same he either failed to make the cut or just never was in the running for the top 10 and then he goes to join the live and you know he doesn't really win a whole lot of events there but this year he has really stepped it up you know in the masters uh, he finished in the top five and then in the pga championship he locks up uh his third his third PGA championship uh, career. Uh, but that's one story. But I, the big story of the weekend was Michael Block, the PGA professional. I mean, this guy's charging hourly rates uh, for golf lessons uh, at his local golf club. And now he's out here playing with Rory McIlroy on the, on the final round of the PGA championship. And not only, not only does that, if you're watching, not only does it sink the hole in one, he splashes this one. And he – Took some of the grass out. So just an amazing story. Michael Block, once again, I feel like the story obviously is going to be on the champion. Everyone wants to focus on Brooks Koepka. But I feel like a lot of the narratives are going to be on Michael Block. And already he's going to be in this week's Charles Schwab Challenge. And I saw uh, the Canadian Open is going to win him as well. The RBC Heritage as well has also sent him an invite. So I feel like he's going to be a, a real fan favorite. He was getting a lot of crowd hype, you know, even on that hole in one, the crowd was going nuts. Uh, so definitely a great story as well. And he made 288,000. I think that's going to be more in his hourly rates. And I saw a quote, his wife said, babe, you're going to have to start charging up some more prices. Yeah. We want some <laughs> more of those prices coming in our household. Uh, so that's definitely a good story. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Michael Block? You know, we haven't even heard of this guy until this weekend. So what a great story this is. Yeah, he had such a great weekend that I heard his name more than I heard Brooks Kepka's name. I had to 
look up who won, but I heard about Michael Block just by going on Facebook. So um, he he really was the star of the weekend and uh, definitely put it put the name PGA Pro to test. I mean, <laughs> those guys get that title uh, more as a certification through the Professional Golf Association, but uh, he, he really did play like a pro out there. Um, definitely made the course look a lot easier than some of the, the guys that we expected to do well. So uh, hats off to him. Yeah, I bet the odds on him were like soaring. I don't even know if he was on the app. <laughs> I don't think he was. I mean, he did finish uh, one over par. Uh, he had a consistent four rounds of golf. I mean, compared to the been on the PGA, Michael Block really uh, took charge uh, in that. So once again, the top five finish uh, was one and two. Scotty Scheffler as well. He had a couple of birdies. He was making a run, but nonetheless, uh, he finished in third place. Uh, number two was my pick, Victor Hovland. Uh, he had that interesting shot that really screwed up his chance. He was in the bunker and he chipped it and it landed like it didn't even go like two inches. Maybe it went like straight into the thick stuff and he had to take a penalty, take out his driver and then hit it again. Uh, so once again, hit, uh, Victor Hovland uh, gets close enough, uh, but is yet to win that first major. So I just got a feel for him. You, you know, he's a really consistent player. But once again, he just can't finish the job done. And then uh, the first place went finisher was Brooks Kepka. And Chet was on the show. Our golf talk uh, would be much longer. But we're going to close the book uh, on this. And our golf talk is presented by our friends over at Mahler Bros Golf. And we want all to look good on the golf course, just like Michael Block did whenever he hit a hole-in-one. It was very consistent this week at the PGA Championship. But it often comes at the expense of feeling good. Mahler Bros Golf has polos that look good and feel good. With their lightweight and stretchy material that hugs your body, you will feel cool while looking just as cool. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to golf better. Maybe you should go take some lessons from Mr. Block. On a hot <laughs> summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than Mahler Bros Golf Signature Polos. Mahler Bros Golf has a large catalog of polos with designs for those who want a loud design and others for those that want a subtle and sleek looking design. They also have fun t-shirts, hats, tumblers, so much more to make your golfing experience better. You can use code BELLYUP, that's all uppercase, at MahlerBros.com. That's M-A-H-L-E-R-B-R-O-S.com for 15% off. Now we're going to kick it onto the gridiron. I know that a lot of people are going to say, well, it's the offseason. Well, the offseason is an option for us because we are football 24-7 on the show. I feel like every week. We're like a Snapchat streak. We can't go a weekend without football. So we got the NFL. We got just a little bit of two news bits here. Jadavian Clowney, the former Gamecock himself, says he's open to a reunion with the Houston Texans. Now, this was the team that drafted him. Now he's going to be a free agent. He is 30 years old, so he is getting a little bit up there in age. In the football world, in the real-life world, he's still young. But after spending the last two seasons with the Browns, it's looking like uh, Clowney is, you know, the he's looking at like, okay, the Houston Texans, A-plus draft. They got Bryce Young, the quarterback of the future. They got Will Anderson, a menace in the front. So, I mean, did David Clowney go into the Texans? I don't know, man. I, I might have to be putting a little bit of money on the Texans uh, not even getting the last place team. I don't know if they're going to win the division. A lot would have to happen. I mean, the Jaguars would pretty much not have to exist in the – the Titans would not have to get rid of Derrick Henry. Uh, so would this uh, clowny to the Texans reunion make a lot of sense to you? Yeah, I, I think it would if Jadavion Clowney has kind of matured to that point in his career where he wants to come in and, and teach the next guy how to step up and, and be a professional ball player. Uh, he could be a really good mentor for Will Anderson, but if he's trying to come in and compete for snaps – I don't think it's a great fit, but um, I take him for his word. Jadavion Clowney, look, he was one of my favorite players growing up as a kid. You had Patrick Peterson and Tyron Matthew, you but at the like same time, time <laughs> I had uh, Jadavion Clowney, uh, you know, in Columbia, and um, I dressed up as him for Halloween one year with dreadlocks and everything. So, um, of course, I want to see what's best for him, and uh, I think he's still got some gas in the tank, so... Honestly, I'd have to do some more research on it, but 
I would not be surprised to see the Houston Texans get second in the AFC South this year. I mean, all indications are that the Tennessee Titans are kind of in a rebuild at quarterback. They're maybe going to go with Ryan Tannehill for another year and now try to mentor Will Levis instead of Malik Willis. But I just don't see that transition being too great. Derrick Henry, really, really good football player, but he can only do so much. And then in Indianapolis, they're in a rebuild too. They're finally investing in their quarterback of the future. So uh, you're going to see three new quarterbacks in that division and Trevor Lawrence isn't too old himself. So uh, the Jaguars are definitely the the leaders in the clubhouse, but I think it's wide open. So uh, if they can bring in veterans like Clowney, who knows? Uh, the Texans could make some noise. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is the Jaguars uh, division really to run away with. Like you mentioned, the, the Titans, their offense really has been good since they got rid of A.J. Brown. And Derrick Henry, he's good, but you can't rely on just him getting 40 to 50 carries and holding ball games because your defense is giving up like 30 points a game. Uh, so there needs to be improvement on both sides of the ball there. Ryan Tannehill just isn't the quarterback. I have believed in him. He's sure he's had a couple of good years at Tennessee uh, that one year. I believe it was in 2019 uh, when it, they went on that one run all the way to the AFC Championship before losing to the Chiefs. And then you got the Colts. The Colts are just a dumpster fire. They do have some young talent, the receiver, Michael. They have Jonathan Taylor uh, in the backfield. Their defense also has some star power as well. But without a solid quarterback, Anthony Richardson, a young quarterback, I mean, one from just put a magic potion on them. They're not going to be a postseason team. I think that, like you mentioned, the Titans and um, the Colts are going to be in rebuild mode. I think that the Texans, this is an open door for them. I know that they're also have a young quarterback, uh, not with Bryce Young, with C.J. Stroud. I got mixed up on that. Sorry about that mix up. Uh, But maybe you run out there with Davis Mills for another year, and then next year you let C.J. Stroud go on as well. But their defense, you got some star power as well. They Last year's draft, you took Derek Stingley. He had a good rookie season. Will Anderson, plug him in the middle linebacker spot, put him in the edge as well. I think that if you give Clowney as well, put a veteran guy, just a veteran guy, because that's what that defense needs. It's a lot of young talent, but if you can put a guy that's been there before and also been in Houston as well, has got the experience to play with that franchise as well. So I think that would be a perfect fit. I mean, a couple of years ago, Clowney had been like, God, oh, screw them. They're, they're a terrible team. I don't want to go there. But I think that he sees the vision what Houston is building. They got rid of their head coach. Lovey Smith is no longer there. You actually have a coach that wants to buy in to their franchise as well uh, and a GM. So I think that Houston, it's not going to be this year that they're going to win the, the AFC South, but give it a couple of years. I think that they're going to be competing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that they're going to be ahead of those other two teams that we mentioned as well. Uh, so let's get one more news bite here in the NFL. And that is uh, butt hurt big Ben. Yes. Uh, Big Ben uh, spoke uh, on his podcast uh, a couple of days ago, uh, brought in Kenny Pickett, uh, you know, spoke a couple of words on the rookie quarterback. He said that he didn't want Kenny Pickett to succeed in his first season with the Steelers. Maybe he didn't want to hire, he didn't want anything to do with either Kenny Pickett or he just didn't want him to be better than Big Ben. You know, Big Ben's last season, it was okay. You know, the Steelers squeaked into the playoffs before getting bounced and then Kenny Pickett. Uh, was their first round draft pick. Uh, so is this a little bit of jealousy maybe from the veteran quarterback? I don't know. Big Ben, man, he <laughs> he obviously comes into the league with some question marks about his character. He's immature. He, you know, gets in trouble uh, legally. And then he kind of falls into this you know, really good groove where he's a really likable guy most of his career. And then he becomes a crotchety old man at the end of his career and right back to being unlikable. So uh, I guess he just couldn't let a good thing uh, end easy. Uh, I don't know why as an ambassador of the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, as a future member of the Hall of Fame, wearing a Steelers jersey, certainly the team Hall of Fame, um, you know, why you would not be uh, – in the quarterback of the future's court. I think that it was pretty clear that big Ben went out on his own terms. The Steelers had plenty of opportunities to move on from him. Play declined, but they stuck with him until he was ready to hang it up. And I mean, that's why the replacement is Kenny Pickett because they would have loved to have drafted somebody else a few years ago. 
uh, when the, the draft class was a little bit better. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that that's a little puzzling to me. But what do you expect? It's Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I, it's really nothing to compare. I mean, if you're a, you, you know, like you mentioned, if you're an all-time franchise quarterback, you're going to be a Hall of Famer. You would think that he would be supportive of the franchise. But, you know, that's just Big Ben. And like the Steelers, you know, maybe they could have waited around another year and got in on their Rodgers sweepstakes. We'll never know that since uh, Kenny Pickett uh, was their so they like like you said, they had their chances of either getting better prospects. I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett is gonna be, you know, great Hall of Fame. You know, it's his first year. The offensive line was terrible for the Steelers uh, this year, but they were able to get a couple of key pieces this uh draft. Uh, so you got a guy like Mike Tomlin, he's one of the most consistent head coaches in the NFL, but you're in a loaded division. I mean, other than the Bengals and the and the Ravens are gonna be the top two dogs. I think that the Steelers, whenever I mean, whenever you have Kenny Pickett and compare that to Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow, you're gonna you're not gonna win. They have a franchise quarterback. Just look at the Chiefs, what they're doing. Look at the Bills with Josh Allen. It's just what the the way that the NFL is shaped out to be. Uh, so give it a couple of years uh, for Kenny Pickett. But if you're a big Ben, you gotta support your hair parent. Just don't be butthurt about it. Support your franchise. But whatever, we're gonna move on to that. We don't want to get all mopey on the show. Uh, like Big Ben did on his podcast. But with that, we'll get to our fans' favorite. Who got that dog in? <laughs> Episode 58. Wade, I know you've been on a streak with MLB. Are you going to continue that? I'm not. I'm going to jump out of the MLB world. I think we got lots of baseball left. It's not even Memorial Day. Uh, soon we're going to get to the point where MLB is all we got to pick from. So, I'm going back to the original definition of this segment. You know, recently we've kind of given it to guys who have had a really clutch performance. And I think that's definitely part of who got that dog in them. But also having that dog in them is like somebody with edge and like not afraid to talk their talk. And um, that's why I'm going to give it to somebody who didn't even play this weekend and his sports not even in season. But I'm going to give it to Saints rookie running back Kendra Miller because I caught a soundbite of him uh, on the Matt Moscano show. And he said, yeah, Alvin Kamara is great and he's really special, but I think I can do everything he does and better. I mean, that's just a really loud statement. <laughs> that, is, that is dog in him right there. I, yeah, that's I agree. That's a really you. loud statement. Yeah, so, you got to have some I, big kahunas to say something like that. Yeah, and it's not totally out of bounds. I mean, I think that Alvin Kamara can see the writing on the wall, and and so can Saints fans, and NFL running backs don't really last more than six years anyways, and I think Alvin Kamara still has some some juice in him. I think that he's one of the best receiving backs we've seen in modern football, so he will latch on somewhere, but his days of being the future back for the Saints, they might be behind him. So uh, Kendra Miller... You know, at this point, he better just hope he can uh, back the talk. But um, I think he will. I think he's a really good prospect. I'm excited to see how he shakes out for New Orleans. Um, but certainly uh, starting things off with a loud statement there. Yeah, that's definitely uh, going to be bold. And I think that he can definitely live up to the expectations. You know, everyone was very high on the top two running backs, so B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. But if you look at TCU, if you watch TCU, I mean, Keandre Miller was one of the bright stars along with Quinn Johnson and then obviously Duggan as well. But I think that he's got the, the pieces uh, as well. You know, Kamara, if he serves a suspension, then you have RB1 is going to be Jamal Williams. But what if Williams gets hurt? Who's going to be the guy that's going to be Keandre Miller? So wink, wink, if you're a fantasy dynasty owner, Keandre Miller might be the pick for you this week. If you're doing hey, my uh, league, I'm not taking him. I'm, 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 uh, I want Jonathan Mingo. Please steal oh, yeah. Jonathan Mingo. <laughs> no tampering here. We don't do any tampering uh, on this show, uh, but I'm definitely excited on that note for some fantasy football talk. I'm sure that's going to get more involved as we get to the July months and the August months as well. And I'll be back giving everyone advice uh, again, and everyone's going to be this year like last year. Uh, but my dog of the week is pretty much going to be a fan favorite. I think that this, if we, whenever we put the poll out, this is probably going to win. Maybe Andre Miller gets some votes. Might be a neck and neck fight, but I'm going to go with Michael Block. 
I mean, just the hole in one itself, it earns you who got that dog in him, just splashing it uh, with a legend with Rory McIlroy by your side. And the reaction to it as well, I was like, there's no way that that went in. There's no way. It's just like a normal human being, if what would say whenever you would make one. But going from, you know, teaching other golfers that's trying to learn the sport, some golf lessons, and to playing with an elite level of, you know, you got Skepa, you got all the guys, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, all these guys. And he beat some of these guys as well. So that's the dog in him itself. So kudos uh, to Michael Block on a really playing well on a very tough course. This course was really brutal. So Michael Block, who got that dog in him? And who got that dog in them this week is presented by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek Live Sports is great on television. But the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. Just tell the people who went at Oak Hill. I, I mean, to experience that shot on hole 15, that was – that's where our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. You know, we got regionals coming up. I might have to be going to SeatGeek and put, you know, booking some regional tickets uh, for LSU's uh, regional coming up. Not only can you Absolutely. get tickets to sporting events, but you can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. And now you can save with the promo code BILLIATSPORTS. Once again, that's all uppercase. Visit SeatGeek.com. Enter a promo code at checkout, and you can save $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, let's get into some playoff talks. We'll start with the NBA playoffs. So uh, we have both of the games. We have, I think we're off on the games tonight. Uh, the Celtics and the Heat uh, finished game number three. Uh, the series shifted back to Miami after Miami. I mean, and just silence all the doubters again. They might be the first uh, eight seed uh, in uh, the NBA history. Oh, they're just on a run. You know, Jimmy Butler. He's playoff Jimmy Butler as well. All the teams you've been on, especially Philadelphia, I bet, is regretting uh, getting rid of him. Uh, but the Celtics, they are in a bind. Jason Tatum and, and Marcus Spark have been struggling this one. They had that one game uh, where Grant Williams uh, and um, uh, Jimmy Butler was getting into it. And then after that, Jimmy Butler, whenever you piss him off, you're just going to lose. I mean, that man, you, you get him riled up. And I, so uh, the Heat and the Nuggets are both up uh, 3-0 in the series. Wade, you called it. You said that the Nuggets and the Heat were going to make it to the NBA Finals. I'll go ahead and say it. I'm going to be flat-out dead wrong. None of these <laughs> teams that I picked, I picked the Lakers, Celtics. You can throw that out the door as well. So it was just not a good week of picks for me, all in all. Uh, but the Nuggets and the Heat, do you think that both of these teams will? T- yeah, Yeah, I think that the the Nuggets, I think they got it on lock. Now the Heat, I don't know. I think mm. that Boston, they're the number one seed for a reason. Uh, I'm not too cocky about that one. I do think Jimmy Butler's got it in him. I love that it's going back to Miami. I think they could silence and end it like tomorrow. Yeah, they could. But um, I would say that Boston's going to win one, maybe two games in that series. I wouldn't be surprised to see him bring it all the way to even. So um i think that they're just that good looking at their resume on the season uh i picked the heat because the heat were hot at the moment but i didn't see him getting out to a 3-0 lead now the nuggets i've been very high on this team all year uh, yeah. i actually have a, a bet on them on DraftKings because the world was disrespecting them like right before the playoffs started they were like plus 850 to win it all and i feel like they're the one seed but they've gotten like no love from yeah. anybody so I was like, let's take that. And you got the MVP that's about to win it for the third straight year. Um, they've looked phenomenal. Jamal Murray has probably been better in Jokic in the playoffs. I mean, he's been really good too. So, um, well, Bron, he, yeah, he might get a win. Uh, but I see Denver winning this one probably 4-1, to one, maybe 4-0. So, um, and, th- and that's big too because they'll get a little bit of rest before the – before the NBA finals kick off, if uh, Boston's able to keep pushing the other series out. So ultimately I feel more confident about Denver, but if uh, Miami does make it to the finals, I mean, there's no reason why this team couldn't win it. Yeah. I mean, the heat are one of the hottest teams. Uh, if you look back at the playing game, the Chicago bulls was like the 
really the only team that even kept it close to them. Ever since that, I feel like they've really been on cruise control uh, since that playing game. On the other side, though, the Nuggets have just been owning that series. You know, they took uh, the first two games in Denver and then game number three. They went uh, to the center. They got the win there. So I think that the Lakers are just a team that it's just completely out of gas. If you look at the Lakers team, that was a team that a lot of people, you know, if you go back to the trade deadline, there's no way that this team even makes it into the play-in tournament. Then they make a couple of free agent moves. One of those moves was getting rid of Russell Westbrook. I think that was definitely a good thing, uh, sending him uh, to the other LA team of uh, the Clippers as well. But I think that the Lakers are just overmatching this one. Uh, Jokic is just too much in the pain. Jamal Murray is is cooking right now in the playoffs. It's just the whole the bench is cooking as well. I just feel like everybody on this Nuggets team is producing. So I think that it's going to be a clean sweep. I think that the Nuggets get that series done uh, ASAP. And I think that the Celtics will steal one in this one. I don't know that it's probably like 5% chance. Honestly, I could see both of these getting rid of those, both of those teams and we see the Nuggets in the heat. And if we do, both of those teams get the sweep, we're going to have a long break in between the finals. We're going to have nine days in between the end of the the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, so on next week's show, we will get into our NBA Finals uh, preview. We'll give our picks. It's probably going to be the Nuggets and the Heat, and what a matchup that's going to be. It's going to be a little bit something different. It's not going to be the Warriors in there. It's not going to be the Lakers. It won't be any of the same old, same old Nuggets versus Heat. I'm definitely going to be grabbing my popcorn. Hopefully I don't jinx both of those squads and we get something crazy, but if we do, we'll see our first – team ever go from a 3-0 series deficit uh, to the NBA Finals. But another NBA note, we had the legend himself, Carmelo Anthony, officially retires. He announced it on his Instagram and Twitter today. 19 seasons in the NBA. One of the originals uh, in that draft class with LeBron. You know, we had Dwayne Wade. He retired. Uh, LeBron is still cooking. He's probably going to be playing since his son is going to be playing there. Bronny James is going to USC, so He'll probably play a year there at USC and then go on to the NBA. Uh, so I think that LeBron is probably going to play a couple of seasons uh, with his son and then call it quits there. Uh, but it's been a legendary career uh, for Carmelo Anthony. And it's been a lot of teams as well. He started with the Nuggets, and then he went on to the Knicks, and then the Thunder, and then the Trailblazers, and then to the, to the Lakers as well. So if you spend 19 seasons in the NBA, that's going to be a lot of teams uh, going up. Uh, so – the former Syracuse Orange himself calls it quits. Uh, so now we're going on to the NHL playoffs. Uh, we have uh, both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference Finals. And like the NBA, both teams are up two to nothing. I mean, can somebody make these series like <laughs> any interesting? Like, come on, can we get like one or two maybe game sevens? Nope. Once again, another hot Miami team. I feel like South Florida, the teams down there, we saw Miami. Maybe both for the women's and men's basketball teams make it far. Uh, you know, maybe who knows what Miami, their baseball program, maybe they make it to Omaha. Their football the Marlins team aren't eh, too bad this year. <laughs> their football team is eh, still in the dumps. The Marlins are hanging in there uh, by a thread in the Middle East uh, right now. But the Carolina Panthers got off to a 2 nothing lead uh, in this series against the Carolina Hurricanes. But it didn't come easy. Both games came into overtime first game into four overtimes i mean you had to drink up something to stay awake in this game and then game number two into two it only took two overtimes in this one as well but the carolina panthers another eight seed i mean this is just the scripted right here both eight seeds down in south florida as well so do you see the panthers uh clinching this division over the hurricanes do you see her carolina have something to say about it i think it's tough to come back when you're down to nothing i mean it's momentum. Uh, yeah, just momentum at this point. You can throw the seeds away just like in the NBA. So, uh, I mean, I don't – look, I don't think we're going to see four sweeps across the <laughs> NBA and the NHL. I don't think that. I think there will be some game sevens and at least some game five and sixes. So, uh, But, yeah, the spot a team two games and come back to win, I, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, the fact that – you know, steal to those games uh, on the road as well. It was not an easy yeah. thing to do. And now not you get to go back guys. home at your home arena where you've been really been cooking playoffs as well. So I don't think it's going to be a sweep. 
I think it's going to be at least five or six games. Carolina will probably steal uh, one of these games uh, coming up as well. We actually have a game tonight. Game three is happening tonight. So whenever this show comes out uh, here on Wednesday, uh, that we will know either the Carolinas in full force with a 3-0 lead or the Hurts have a 2-1 lead. And all of a sudden, okay, we got one. If we can steal another and then it's 2-2, two two, we're going back. The series uh, is definitely not over, but if you get the 3-0, then you can pretty much lock it in as well. Then you have the Golden Knights. Uh, they're leading the series over in the West, over the series over the Dallas Stars. I know you're familiar with this team. You went to a couple of games uh, yourself yeah, as well, enjoyed your time. My only NHL experience is the, uh, the Dallas Stars. So <laughs> Hey, at least you went there as well. But that game number three uh, will be tomorrow as well. So give me your thoughts as well. Uh, who uh, takes this series, the Stars or the Knights? Well, I think you know Dallas has been one of the more consistent franchises um, here in the last five or six years. So um, I think experience is on their side. But let's not forget this Las Vegas team, you yeah. know, inaugural team um, with an expansion draft roster made it all the way to the finals. And I think they got swept or got beat like in five games or something in the finals when that happened. So. You know, I think that the guys that are left from that roster really want to get back to that pinnacle and, and maybe have a chance to win an NHL championship because these guys were kind of cast away from other teams. And, um, you know, so I think there's a lot of motivation there. And to already be up to nothing says a lot. Uh, I think they're hot. So I think both – I think across the board, NBA, NHL – I think everybody that's up right now is going to hold on. I just, I, all these teams are too good to, uh, you know, win four games against in a row or something. So I think we'll see some games five and game six, but I just, I don't think you can erase a 2 0 or a 3 0 deficit at this point. Yeah, especially this late in the postseason. Like I mentioned, once you get this far, it's all about momentum, who's playing hot at the right time. You know, you don't have to be, greatest team like everybody's portraying you know we saw two eight seeds for the panthers and the heat uh, but i think that the, the golden knights will take this one as well i'm always rooting for the expansion teams i was hoping that the seattle kraken would make kraken a little bit really good they got, yeah they got knocked out by the stars uh, in game seven but i think that the golden knights will finish this off and we'll get a really good series between uh, the panthers and the golden knights and those are two teams that really have a one of the golden knights haven't won it ever in their franchise history i think that's been a very long time since the Panthers uh, have been close uh, to hoisting uh, that Stanley Cup uh, trophy. So I think that's going to be all four good series between the NBA and NHL. But all in all, that's my pick. Panthers, Golden Knights on the NHL side. And then on the other side, Nuggets seed. I think that all those four will keep the even series. So I think if I had to pick one team that to come back, I think that the Stars are definitely one of the teams that can definitely come back. They have a lot of better experience as well. They got a lot of offensive firepower. So I think that if I had to pick one team to come back from either 3-0-2-0 deficit, it would be the Stars. But I don't think it's going to be any of these teams. I think that whoever's leading right now is going to finish it up. And if they go 3-0 tomorrow in game number three, it, it's all she wrote. No team has really ever come back from a 3-0. 3-1, yes, but a 3-0 is definitely hard to do nowadays with momentum on your side. So the playoffs, uh, we'll know who's both in the Stanley Cup Finals and also the NBA Finals uh, next week. So we'll have a lot of championship preview uh, coming up uh, on next week's show. So definitely stay tuned uh, for that, and we'll definitely make our picks as well. We'll have hopefully our hockey expert, Jacob, coming back on the show to give a lot of analysis on who is going to take home the trophy. So now let's go shift back to a little bit of SEC Talk flair. It's the two of us. We're the two co-hosts of SEC Talk, of course. We're going to finish off with a lot of SEC baseball. We're now almost in the month of May. We're in the month of May. We're almost to Memorial Day. We know what that means. It's Selection Monday. It's like Christmas morning to me, honestly. I love it's like I love whenever the selection shows come out. I don't care if it's March Madness. I don't care if it's college football playoff selection show. I love selection specialists, uh, seeing all, you know, the, the mid-major programs, whoever – uh, won their conference tournaments as well. But we do have some notes on that. Uh, congratulations to Penn. They have won uh, the Ivy League tournament. And also to Army, they won uh, their fifth straight uh, Patriot League tournament as well. So we'll see both of those teams in the regional paired up, probably with one of the powerhouses as well. But I think that uh, both of those schools uh, could definitely give a headache uh, to whoever 
There you go. So let's get into the SEC. Uh, we'll dive into the SEC tournament here in a little bit. But, you know, we have Bayou Bingo Bites. We're an LSU bias show. Let's get into the LSU Tigers. Uh, we talked about them for the really the past couple of months. That was a team that started off the season hot, and then they got into a lull. They dropped the series to Auburn. Then they dropped the series to Mississippi State last week. Chad and I said we – we're not hitting the panic button yet, but we're close. But I think that we've kind of shifted away for a brief moment. Now, this could change. LSU wins the series against Georgia. This was definitely huge. Now they get to 19 SEC wins, 43 on this season as well. Uh, so Friday night, they took care of business as well. Had a little bit of late night fireworks. Uh, Thatcher Hurd gave up uh, another lead. Uh, Georgia hit uh, two back-to-back -back home runs uh, to even up. The score at five, and then LSU took innings to get the offense going again. You had Josh Pearson, though, hit his first home run of the year. Uh, definitely uh, saving the time for that, seven to five. And then you get another home run, Jordan Thompson, to put you up eight to five. And then Thatcher Hurd again closed the score as well. And then on Saturday, the offense uh, got going again. A lot of home runs this week, and I think that was either 10 or 11 home runs this weekend. And then Georgia – and game number three, their offense got going, had a couple of home runs uh, for their guys. So, overall, what did you see in this as well? You saw Paul Steens uh, be dominant again. You saw Ty Floyd. Uh, you know, he gave up that first, uh, and he gave up a two-run home run. But after that, he was really dominant as well. So, you got to like what you're seeing from your two starters. I think that the bull outside of Christian Little and probably a couple of other guys uh, look pretty good this weekend. Yeah, I think you're starting to see the – the Sunday staff, let's call them, round into form because at this point, what's accepted? It's not one guy. It's going to have to be like three or four. Um, but that's okay. I think that maybe um, as an opener, a guy like Javen Coleman uh, could be that guy. I keep waiting for Blake Money to put it together, but he's just not. And I, I don't think you can count on him down the stretch. So I think Coleman and Guidry um, give you your best shot as an opener. I like Gidry a little bit more out of the bullpen uh, than I do Coleman. I still like the idea of maybe toying with Riley Cooper as an opener. I think that he's kind of a guy that – You hardly saw him this week. Yeah, I just think he's got some good stuff. I just think it takes him a while to get going. And so kind of putting him in a high leverage spot out of the bullpen sometimes isn't the best for him. So I wouldn't mind seeing him get thrown out there actually on Wednesday – uh, to go and start the SEC tournament and um, just see what he can do. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, they took care of business. I would have liked to seen a sweep, and I think winning the SEC regular season would have been great. Uh, but ultimately, everything that you got going from this point forward means so much more. And uh, same with Hoover. I mean, I'd love to win Hoover, but the next level means so much more. So, um yeah, I think if LSU can, you know, continue to swing the hot bats, if a guy like uh, Pearson can come out of nowhere and be a contributor like he was last postseason, I mean, I think that um, this LSU team could be riding the ship a little bit. And I think if they win two games in Hoover, they'll be a top four seed, which will go a long way. Yeah, I think that if I would have to adjust a little bit in the lineup, it would probably be after seeing, uh, you know, some errors by the first baseman, Kate Beloso. I would move back Trey Morgan to, to first base. You're entering the postseason play. You want your best defensive guys. I mean, Trey Morgan, you could throw a ball like 10 feet overhead his head and you would uh, haul it in. So I think that you could run with an outfield. If Josh Pearson continues to swing a hot bat, you put him in left, Cruz in center. And Cruz has been a guy that if LSU is going to go far, he's got to get going. He's been in a major slump uh, as well, but he won the SEC Player of the Year anyway, so congratulations to him. Paul Skeens won SEC Pitcher of the Year as well. And then in right field, go with Braden Joe Bear as well. Then DH, it could either be Cabaloso or Jared Jones whenever if you want to play the matchups as well. So I think that would be a little tinkering what I would do on the lineup. But other than that, I think that the offense – is going to be fine. It's just the pitching is definitely going to be, you know, the make this LSU team is going to make their trip back to Omaha since the 2017 season. But with the series win against Georgia, uh, LSU has locked up a top four overall. 
seeding in the SEC tournament. They will be the number three seed. They're going to be awaiting the winner. Uh, we'll get to in a couple of minutes. Uh, I don't want to spoil the bracket quite yet. Uh, but do you think with the series over Georgia, they have over 40 uh, wins on their mark. They have 19 SEC wins. Do you think that they have done enough to lock up the national seed? Yeah, I think they're definitely a national seed. Um, but I think this year more than ever, there will be a difference between being, you know, the number three seed versus the number seven or eight seed. I think that you really want to be in the top five um, just because when it comes to the supers, uh, people forget that's also what is the seating at, is at Omaha. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't want to be lined up directly against Wake Forest in round, um, round one at Omaha. So uh, everybody knows how important it is to win game one there. So obviously you got a lot of work to do to get to that point. But um, it would be really important to me to be in the upper half of the national seeds so that yeah. if you take care of business, you're setting yourself up pretty well um, come the College World Series. Yeah, you definitely make a good point because if you're a top four seed, then guaranteed now to have, uh, if you make a Dome Hall, let's say the game number one, you will now be the home team. That's definitely big. You know, if you're down, let's say like four to three, we've seen teams, you know, Mississippi State a couple of years ago when they were down to Virginia, they got one swing from Tanner Allen and they were all the way made it to the national championship. That's really sparked their national championship run. So I think that's big. If you lock up a top four national seed, not only do you get to host, uh, you know, the regionals and the super regionals, it's also big, but in big picture, if you make it all the way to Omaha, get game one, you get uh, the home field advantage, not really the home field advantage, but you are the home team as well. But, second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll keep going here in the SEC as well. Uh, let's uh, go into our Arkansas and Florida. They are co-SEC regular season champs. Uh, Arkansas did it in a very fashion. They took the hard way to win the SEC. Uh, they uh, two out of three to Vanderbilt. If you they really dominated in game number one and game number two, though, you're thinking, okay, Arkansas is up eight to two going into the bottom of the six. They locked it up. You can call them SEC champs. But Vanderbilt was like, not so fast. <laughs> we are coming back and score eight on you. It's, uh, you know, bullpen problems are happening across the country. It's not just LSU uh, nowadays. Uh, but Arkansas, nonetheless, with the series loss to Vanderbilt, they did enough. They got to 20 wins, 21 wins. I think it's around that mark. Uh, they won the SEC along with Florida. Florida uh, took a really big series on the road at Kentucky. Kentucky is one of those teams who are going to be vying for that national seeding. I think they probably need a couple of more uh, if they want to get to the top eight seed. Uh, the top eight is definitely going to be a people that's going to be we're going to be looking for in the SEC tournament and all the tournaments around college baseball. But I have a little bit of uh, questions of the week. Uh, we Chet uh, started this segment, so I'm going to continue this segment this week uh, with two questions. So my first question is about the two Alabama schools. Can Auburn and Alabama play their way into hosting a regional? I think Auburn um, definitely has a resume, especially with the series win over the national seed and um, LSU. And uh, I think they, who'd they take down before LSU? Did they took down South Carolina, right? Yeah, Which, that's correct. South Carolina is not looking as good of a win anymore, but at the time that was a really good team. So I don't think you can discount it. So I think the resume is there for Auburn. Um, I can't recall how they did against Florida or Auburn if they played them. Um, I mean, Florida or Tennessee if Auburn played them. So um, I think that they're going to be really close to that 40 win mark. If I recall, I think they're at like 37 or something. So that should put them in the, uh, top 16 discussion uh alabama i don't think they'll quite get there but uh let's just say this team did a really good job to kind of recoup and um this team could have gone one or two directions <laughs> they could have been you know just falling off the face of the earth and missed the the sec tournament heck even <laughs> and so for them to uh make a statement with the win over vanderbilt and then uh, immediately after the coach got fired and then to continue to play well since then, uh, really good storyline there. 
answered here. Uh, D1 Baseball released their field of 64 projections, and Auburn is a number 12 overall seed. So right now they are safely – I don't think that the SEC tournament is necessarily going to hurt the SEC teams at the top. You know, we're seeing Arkansas, Florida, LSU. I think that they're already locked into their position. They had their only way that they could move up is if they go on a run and win the SEC tournament. I mean, the committee is going to look at a body work of full 56 games. They're not going to look at a couple of games. I think that if you're on the bubble, then it definitely means more, especially if you're vying for one of these top 16 overall national seeds. Then the tournament means more for you. And also uh, Alabama is the 14 seed. Uh, so right now they're locked in. But with a quick exit from the SEC tournament, they could definitely be on the outside looking in. Uh, so let's go on now to predictions. Uh, we're going to have our, another show next week. Like, since I'm here, I want to get our top eight national C predictions. So go from order from one to eight. Who's going to be the top eight come Memorial Day? All right. So here we are. We've had many iterations of this. It seems like uh, there's been a lot of risers and a lot of follower, uh, followers um, as the season's progressed. But there's a few names that have been up there all year. And I think you got to start with Wake Forest uh, as the one seed for now. I mean, I think if Arkansas, Florida, or LSU just absolutely puts on a show this week and like run rules three straight games, then Maybe so, but I do think Wake Forest will probably win the ACC, but I don't think they necessarily have to uh, to be the one seed. I don't, I don't know that conference tournaments hold as much weight as they used to um, just because, you know, all these teams are so proven in the regular season. We know that they're going to show up and play well uh, come regional play. So I'm going to slot Wake Forest into the one seed for now. Uh at number two, I'm going to go with Arkansas. Um, I know that Baseball America does have Florida slightly ahead of Arkansas, but I think Arkansas is actually the team that's going to probably win the SEC tournament. I just think that even with some injuries lately on their pitching staff, I just think this is the most veteran bunch um, and has the most depth pitching-wise uh, to outlast a team like LSU. So I'm going to go Arkansas at number two. Um, this is where it gets interesting. If LSU can make a run in Hoover, I think they could beat out the Gators for the, the three spot, but I'll stick Florida in at number three. And I don't think they'll do three SEC teams in a row. I think they will try to break it up. Um, I think you could see the ACC runner up a team like Miami or Virginia and Clemson, yeah, they're on fire. So I yeah. think maybe one of them could slide into number four. But overall, the looking at it, the the body of work probably isn't to the point that LSU has put together. So uh, I'll give LSU the four spot, and then I'll go with the ACC runner-up. So right now, Clemson's the highest-rated team. So Clemson uh, gets that number five spot. Then I'm going to put Stanford. I think they'll win the Pac-12 um, at number six. And then I think you'll see a mid-major team uh, right now. Coastal Carolina is the highest-rated mid-major team yep. with East Carolina right on their tail. So yep. if either one of them falters and doesn't win their conference, I think that they'll fall out of the national seed spot. But for now, we'll put Coastal Carolina in at number seven. And then at number eight, oh, man, I want to give it to Vanderbilt and give the SEC four of these, but... I just, they could be slightly on the outside looking in. Then again, going three teams out of the ACC doesn't seem too fair either. But um, I don't know. Let's give the pack, uh, the Big 12 some love. You know, they, that's a good baseball conference. You got Oklahoma State, Texas, and West Virginia all vying for the championship. Yeah, they share there. that title. Yeah, so that's going to be tight. Uh, Oklahoma State seems to be the hot team right now. I actually watched them after LSU played on Thursday and they won like 18 to one over Oklahoma. Oh. So they seem to be swinging the bats hot. We saw it last year. Oklahoma state can really hit when the time counts. So I'm going to slide them in at the eight seed, but uh, I know that was a lot. So let's run through it again. That's number one seed wake forest. Number two, Arkansas, number three, Florida, number four, LSU, number five, Stanford, number six, Clemson, 
number seven, Coastal Carolina, and number eight, Oklahoma State. I pretty much have the same teams uh, outside. I have Vanderbilt taking number eight. I, I don't think that – I didn't have Vanderbilt in the top eight, but after getting back on track, you know, after getting swept by, by Tennessee, looking a little bit rusty, I mean, that game number two just changed the momentum in the season, I think, for Vanderbilt. If they didn't come back for that one, I think that they would be out of the, the national seed race, the top eight national seed. They would still be a top 16 seed, but you definitely want to get – a top eight seed uh, so you can host uh, in both of the regional and the super regional as well. So I think that I agree with your list as well. I think that Coastal Carolina isn't getting a lot of love. I think that the Sun Belt is a, really a power conference as well. You know, you've seen Southern Miss as well. Their top 16 team, uh, Louisiana, has been consistent as well. So I think that winning the, the Sun Belt is like one of the best mid-major conferences in all of college baseball. So I think that Coastal Carolina needs a little bit of love as well. But uh, you know, D1 baseball, let's look. You know, the SEC teams, you have Vanderbilt at seven. They're the seven national seed. You've seen Kentucky. They're the right now the number nine overall national seed. And then all the others, uh, we as far as uh, LSU's, they're the fourth seed. And then you had uh, three being Arkansas. But they're paired up with Alabama Regional, so that would be interesting. You have all SEC super. Uh, but let's focus on the LSU uh, Baton Rouge Regional uh, for a brief moment. Then we'll close the show out with SEC Tournament. So right now, D1 Baseball. I know that you love our content, but D1 Baseball has got some of the best co content uh, for all college baseball. So definitely go check those guys out as well. So the Baton Rouge Regional right now, if it were to finish up. Now this is going to change. There's still a lot of baseball to left to be played. So LSU would be the one seed. They would face uh, the Southland Conference champions, uh, Nichols. Uh, LSU did uh, face off against this team. And then they also have the two in the three seed, Washington and Texas Tech. So what are your early thoughts on that regional? Well, I've seen Texas Tech uh, pop up twice now on these projections. So I think there's some, you know, guns to that. I think that um, I, I do think that a, uh, a pack, I mean, a big 12 team will probably end up in this region just based off of geography. Um because they're not going to want to double up on, you know, an SEC team or something, but they are going to try to find a bordering state. So that leaves a lot Southern of this. Yeah. I mean, you could see Southern Miss is a two seed and then like, you know, a power five team that sneaks in like Texas tech in this example. So I think that's kind of a worst case scenario to have yeah. to face a team like that is a three. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that, Maybe the Sun Belt runner-up uh, could easily end up in Baton Rouge. Uh, now, if it is Coastal Carolina, I think Coastal oh, Carolina. Boy. I know I was actually at that game, and rest easy, LSU fans. That's not going to happen because I do think they'll send Coastal Carolina We're gonna host. to Clemson <laughs> in that scenario. But uh, or actually, no, they would just they would just host their own regional. But I think that they would host. They would if they. I think that if they're not a top eight national seed, then I could see you know Conway being paired up with the Clemson regional. I mean, the yeah. tickets itself would be through the roof. Yeah, I definitely got ahead of myself there. They would still host. So rest easy, LSU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely uh, don't want to yeah. see that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> a team like uh, you know Southern Miss. I think is it Troy that's having a really good year out of the Sun Belt as well. I don't think they are. Okay. I think that Troy's in the middle of the pack. I think it's either going to be Southern Miss. I definitely think that Southern Miss could play their way into hosting potential if they make a deep run. I think that Coastal is a lock. I think they're going to be a top 16 seed. The only way if Coastal goes to LSU, then they would have to be paired up with the Supers. And speaking of that, uh, in this uh, projection, uh, the Stillwater Regional, the 13 seed Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State's got a lot of powerhouse uh, in this town. I don't know if Oklahoma State would be in a, a safe in this one. They have Oral Roberts, who's a dangerous four seed. And then not only you have that, you have a number three seed, Grand Canyon. If you remember, I was a team Tennessee early in the season, and that's really been – if you go back to last year, I'm pretty sure Grand Canyon was literally in the same region of last year. Got, I think they played uh, in the um, – I thought they played in – like the Stanford region last year or something. I might be wrong. I, I just remember them being on the side of somebody. Oh, they're definitely a, a sneaky uh, mid-major team. Yeah. That's for sure. And it doesn't stop there. You have two-seed Oregon State. Uh, so if that lined up, would Oklahoma State even come out of that? And how would you like LSU's chances paired up with Oklahoma State's regional? 
Uh, I see a lot of offense there, especially yeah, hoping is State does prevail. So I don't think the style of play matches quite up with um, with LSU. I do think the Big 12, typically the pitching's not to the same standard as the SEC. So that might be the one thing LSU has going for it. But whoever LSU plays, I mean, they're just going to have to out hit because the pitching, yeah. it's going to be good to get you two games. Um but you know, if LSU were to fall into Game a spot three, where they needed, then it's a third who win. Knows. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. So, uh, I personally would like to avoid that matchup. Honestly, I think the best pairing for LSU would actually be one of the SEC uh, opponents. You know, maybe give us a shot against. Uh, Auburn or or Alabama. I know that we lost to Auburn, but I think that. Just the familiarity there. I think that LSU could game plan that well. Uh, Kentucky, if if they slip up at Hoover and slide down a few spots, uh, ultimately I don't think they'll finish as the nine seed. So uh, yeah. I think that would be a good matchup as well. And then you got Tennessee lingering out there. They could still find they a way to hang. Top sixteen. They could escape as a as two seed somewhere. So. Ooh, that would uh, be- who knows? So I think yeah, Tennessee that... right now, looking at this, I know that we're spending a lot of time. And this is going to be. This, they're in the Miami regional in that. See, and we saw Ole Miss go win that last year. Yeah. So, so uh, anyways, I, I think that maybe familiarity would be good for LSU rather than facing a prolific offense like Oklahoma State uh to me that would just be a, a, a real challenge but I mean if you're going to win a championship you got to play teams like that so yeah yeah so we'll definitely look more on the projections as well that was probably our final time here on the sports scramble uh maybe we'll have uh, one more show on SEC talk look at the projections and, and the field uh, we'll definitely have a show uh, whenever the field comes out we'll look at where the SEC teams have landed as well. But we'll close the book on that. We'll just wait until the selection show and the real deal comes out, and then we'll talk more about it. But let's get it into the SEC baseball tournament bracket. We'll run through this. I'll go ahead and give you the matchups, and then we'll give you our picks and our sleepers for teams to watch out that could potentially sneak their way in and win the tournament. So the first round begins on Tuesday, and all these games will be concluded when the show comes out as well. So you have 11-seed Georgia and South Carolina, the sixth-seed, Starting off your day, and then you have in Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky. So Alabama, Kentucky, that's going to be a huge matchup. I feel like the winner of that one is going to be the locked up in that top 16 national seed. I think that Kentucky is already locked up, but if Alabama can knock them off, Alabama is definitely going to be a top 16 seed. And then you have Missouri and Auburn finishing up the day. In your top four seeds, you have Florida, the one seed, Arkansas is the two, LSU is the three seed, and number four, Vanderbilt. So let's start off with your sleeper. Who's a team that's sitting right now in the first round, not a top four seed that can potentially make a run all the way from the first round to the championship? All right. This is uh, tricky, but I'm going to give it to Alabama, the home team, if you will. Yeah. Um, I think they have the most to play for, you know? Yeah, that's true. And uh, I think they have something to prove. And I like their first round matchup. I think they can knock off Kentucky. So, yeah, that, that definitely, I think that they might even throw their ace in that one, just how important that matchup is. They're sitting at SEC wins, they're at a top 10 RPI, but I just feel like if you get at least just give me one and it's a single elimination, your postseason hopes aren't really on the line, but you would rather have a top 16 seed that way. You definitely have a couple of games at your own field. It's definitely crazy to think. I mean, you fire your coach and all of a sudden you're a good baseball team. Who would have thunk? You get rid of the guy who bets against you. So it was holding you back. This Alabama team. Yeah. This Alabama team starting to play well. So that's definitely a good pick. I'm going to go with the seven seed. I'm going to go with Tennessee. They've really been playing some hot baseball. Just absolutely cruise through South Carolina. This has been one of the hottest teams. They're giving me some Ole Miss vibes. You know, if you go to Ole Miss, the documentary I came out uh, today was a very good documentary. The SEC Network. Uh, does well with those. Uh, but Tennessee started off the year uh, slow in SEC play. Now all of a sudden, I feel like they have the the bullpen and the pitching to get them deep. I know that 
And, you know, they have Texas A&M. Texas A&M has really one of those teams that I've really been high on. It'll have been looking kind of poor in the second half of the season. So if they get through that, they have Arkansas. Arkansas uh, did beat them pretty handily, uh, but I think that Tennessee is playing really good baseball. And if you get through that, uh, if, if you have to go through LSU as well, I think that the way that LSU is pitching, I mean, you're going to have some, you know, who knows that LSU is going to be pitching Wednesday or Friday. Uh, so I think that Tennessee, they're really set up on that side of the bracket. So I think that Tennessee, once again, could be one of those teams that can sneak into the championship. So seven seed Tennessee, nine seed Alabama. Now, who is your pick to take home the SEC championship? Uh, as I said during my top eight, uh, I'm going to go with Arkansas. I think that mm-hmm. just the most veteran bunch. I know the pitching did take a little bit of a hit, but still a, a good group and well coached with Dave Van Horn. He's been here before and done it. So um, I think Arkansas over Florida, if I had to pick right now. I don't know if that lines up bracket wise. It does line up. Florida's okay. in the opposite side of the yeah. bracket as well. So you have a all chalk bracket all chalk. as well. Yep. Well, I don't know if that ever happens uh, before. You know, One, I, whenever I tried to. Yeah, I mean, I picked Arkansas last year. I had Arkansas and Tennessee uh, that ended up uh, didn't happening as well, but Tennessee did uh, end up winning that one. So it was a pretty easy pick. I don't think that it's it's very open this year. I don't think that it's going to be a runaway. I know that Florida is the one seed, but Florida at times had shown some lack of in- inconsistencies down the stretch. But I'm going to go with one of the hottest teams in that CC. I think that Auburn is ultimately going to go all the way and win the championship. I think that their first game in Missouri, they just swept them. And it wasn't even close in this one. Uh, so I think that they get the job done. And then they have Vanderbilt in this one. I think that Auburn, if they can get through Missouri with not really throwing uh, one of their three guys, especially uh, Chase Alsup as well, if they can get through Missouri. Then you get to Vanderbilt as well. Uh, Vanderbilt, I know that they just won the series against Arkansas. But Vanderbilt, you know, has been pretty vulnerable. They've been one of the more vulnerable SEC teams in the Ohio, Florida. So, I'm going to go – I think that's going to be Auburn versus Arkansas in the SEC championship. Uh, We'll see this matchup again. I just got to go with the hottest team in America right now. I'm going to go with Auburn. They've been on an eight-game win streak, uh, so I'm going to roll with War Damn Eagle to win the SEC championship. So that's going to conclude Episode 58 of Sports Gramble. Wade, thanks again for joining me on this week's show. I'm definitely – we're definitely going to be tuned in to the SEC baseball tournament uh, i'm assuming we're definitely gonna have a lot of high hopes and make more picks whenever we learn the full field of the ncaa uh definitely the regionals and the super regionals as well so hope everyone enjoys the rest of your week and we will see you back here next time on the sports scramble podcast have a good week